You heard how it went down. Now time to sum it all up. This is Bucks Talk, presented by Gruber Law Offices. One call, that's all. Recap everything you need to know about this game right now. Now here's your host, your analyst, and your MC for the evening. Make some noise! Justin Garcia. Well, a very disappointing result in San Francisco, but uh, this was a game that the Golden State Warriors needed a lot more than the Bucks did. And it's hard to get overly upset losing a game without Giannis in a place where the Warriors seemingly never lose. One of the best home teams in all of basketball. And if you were listening, to our radio broadcast, if you're watching on TV, you could certainly get the sense why and to feel the energy that was coming through in that building. But you knew, you just knew when it was an eight-point lead, it wasn't safe. This is a Warriors team that can erase margins in no time, and, and that's what we saw. But this is still a very tough pill to swallow for the Bucks, who really, up until the final 30 seconds, did more than enough to win this game. And an eight-point lead with two and a half minutes left. Your defense seemingly holding the Warriors in check. Steph Curry started to explode down the stretch. But it all boils down to one play with about 24 seconds left. Brooke Lopez, it should have been two straight games where he seals a victory with a block. And instead, it's another turnover. And the Warriors hit a three Warriors got a great look at a potential game-winning three after Steph Curry did enough to stop Drew Holiday and a would-be game-winner as well. And Golden State comes back. Steph Curry himself snatches victory from the jaws of defeat, giving his Warriors a much-needed win as their playoff lives, maybe not on the line, but they need to keep the pace with everybody behind them. Huge win for the Warriors and a tough start to this three-game road trip for the Bucks. 855-616-1620, the Old National Bank talk and text line. Old National Bank, get old. Uh, 22 points from Steph Curry in the fourth quarter in overtime. Scored 36, 22 of them came in the final 17 minutes of this game. And Golden State now still sixth in the Western Conference. It's really a matter of making sure you don't fall into the play-in tournament for the Warriors. And look, Right now, 5 through 13 in the West is separated by three games in the loss column. So one day you could be six. The next day you could be fighting to stay in the play-in tournament. That's why we said this game, very important for the Warriors. Not that it wasn't important for the Bucks, but a lot more significance for Golden State. 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talk and text line where it all went wrong we will take a further look after this on Bucks Talk. The round ball repartee returns. This is Bucks Talk. 108, 108, 36 seconds to go. A deafening roar from the crowd. Holiday steps back and silences him with one fell swoop. Nobody does it better than Mr. Clutch. Drew Holiday delivers a beauty from the right wing as a hush descends here on Chase Center. That was one of a handful of moments where you didn't think the game was over, but as a Bucks fan, there was at least four of those sequences where you thought, okay, it's not over, but I think we're going to win this. 
Drew Holiday's three-pointer there, 24 seconds left. That was one. Just, uh, what, five, six seconds later, Brooke Lopez, in what should have been two straight games with the game-winning block, somehow gets back to the rim in time and blocks Jordan Poole. Now, I've only seen the play in real time, and I think the thing I'm most curious to see is just an extended look at what happened after that block because there was about 25 seconds left when the Bucks gathered the ball. So you couldn't dribble out the clock, but the Warriors needed to follow you. And Brooke Lopez gets the block. He gets it into the hands of Drew Holiday. Before you know it, Drew Holiday's up the floor, but he's going towards the sideline where all of Golden State's defenders had already started to funnel. And next thing you know, the ball is out of bounds, and it's Warriors' ball. So I think we're all still looking for a better uh, angle view at that that sequence to see, well, what happened there? And how did Drew Holiday lose the ball? But also, it's easy to be the armchair quarterback, and, I, and hindsight is twenty twenty. but... Man, if you would just slow things down there. And Brooke Lopez gathers. Get it in the hands of Chris Middleton, who you could see darting over on the other side. Go up the floor. make Use that full eight seconds. Make Golden State follow you. Hit the free throws. And look, it's, it's still not over with Steph Curry, as we saw tonight. But if you're up five with, at that point, it would have been potentially 15 or so seconds left. Golden State misses their shot, it's done. Even if they hit a three. Still a one-possession game, you go hit free throws, you hit them both, and then the game is probably over. So that holiday three was a moment where you thought, okay, they're going to win this. The Lopez block is when you definitely thought they were going to win it. After Steph Curry took that early three, you looked at it and you said, well, at least we have a lot of time here. And that's another play where I thought overall Javon Carter did a really good job, a pretty good job sticking with Drew Holiday. Excuse me, sticking with uh, Steph Curry. But that's another play where you you were up just a little too much. You, you don't want to give that look quite so much. It was good defense, but if if Steph Curry is going to make you believe he's driving to the basket, fine. It's a three-point game. Let him take that. But Steph Curry, I mean, look, this is why this Warriors team is so good at home. You you felt the energy. You could hear it. You could sense it. And the Warriors just have tough shot makers. Steph Curry hit the biggest shots of this game. Drew Holiday started to, but Steph Curry was the one that put this one away. And, and the Bucks, you know, a game that the Warriors absolutely needed, but this is a tough one to squander for this team. A valiant effort, a great performance by this group. Again, nine guys played, seven scored in double figures. This wasn't the Drew Holiday bail us out. This wasn't Brooke Lopez scored 30 or Chris Middleton went off. This was very balanced. You saw a lot of nice things offensively and especially defensively from this group, which makes you feel really good for the playoffs. You just really noticed the absence of Giannis when the jump shots weren't falling, too. Joe Ingles, we'll get to this in a moment, but some of those nice things you saw offensively, a lot of it revolved around Joe Ingles. 
But I'm not going to sit here and say if you're up by eight with two and a half minutes left, you got to win the game, especially against the Warriors. Two and a half minutes is a lot of time, and we have seen, not just from the Bucks, every team in the NBA, we have seen leads much larger than eight disappear in much less time than two and a half minutes. I mean, go back a week ago against Philadelphia. But when you're up three, that block shot is where you should have won the game. 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talk and text line. Uh, let's head out to the phone lines and check in with Dick in Port Washington. Uh, curious to hear your thoughts on this one, Dick. Well, I, I think the play that you described where Drew kind of went to the coffin, if, if there's a coffin corner yeah. at midcourt, yeah, yeah that, that wasn't good. It was just knocked out. I think it was well, it just, I don't know who was it, there it, at that point. And it just seemed rushed. Like you didn't need to get up the yeah. floor that quickly. Make them no. follow you. No, we're up by three. Okay, but you know, I can live with that. I had this. I think I called in a couple of weeks ago. I had this baby as a loss, anyways. Yeah. So I'm not upset by that. What I'm kind of upset about is when we had a chance, and right before overtime, what I don't understand the play Bud called. And to send Drew through the middle with, with yeah, he he is the only superstar on the court at that point. Ingles is wide open. I, I don't understand what the thought was. Well, take it to the to the teeth. I, I don't get it. Well, I, I think we would have been better off even getting Chris or or uh, Ingles. Actually, with Ingles to inbound, I was waiting to see Lopez go to the hoop. I think and toss it high. Yeah, and he'd lay it in. So I I wonder about that, but I think the concern is it's kind of a catch twenty two where maybe you score on that, just as we saw in Dallas earlier this year, but then you give Steph Curry, who had been on a heater, a whole lot of time. So I think they really, really wanted to make sure whatever they do, you get an isolation, and if not run out the entire clock, you leave about a second left, which is what we saw. Yeah, but but they didn't they didn't do it. It was one point. 1.9 left, I think, because, you know, if if Green hits Curry to the side, this game wouldn't have went to overtime. You know? Yeah. Green took the last shot at regulation and missed it. Yeah. And and Curry was standing there open. Yeah. What I don't get if, and, and, you know, I, I'm not dissing on Drew at all. I mean, a great game. I, the play call, you, you drive everybody to the middle. You know, why not line up, um, and Ingles was there, Chris, or uh, Grayson, just throw it to one of those three on that corner. Well, and and I, I get, That's what I thought was going to happen. I didn't think he was going to take it all the way to the hole. Well, the other thing, and, and thanks for the call, Dick. Um, I was wondering, too, if, if this would be a play for Grayson to get him off the screen and get him going downhill because he's, you know, Drew's been good at it, but Grayson Allen's maybe been their best finisher or at least getting to the rim in the painted area and finishing around the basket. So you wondered, no true rim protectors for the Warriors. This is a a good opportunity to have Grayson Allen kind of be the forgotten guy, get him going downhill and attack the basket. I don't necessarily have a problem with the play call. Let's just get this out of the way as well. Steph Curry, not known for his defense, made an excellent play and that's really what swung this game. Steph Curry, down the stretch, it was the two-way play of Steph Curry. Even if it was one play, 
his defense saved the game for the Warriors because if he doesn't come over, Drew Holiday at least gets the ball up at the rim and maybe he draws a foul. If he's not sliding down quite that much, Drew Holiday has a little more room too. And to your point, Joe Ingles, he was open in the corner because Steph Curry collapsed down. Maybe Drew Holiday gets Joe Ingles a look who was five for five on threes at that point. So, I mean, we can say the Bucs didn't execute and that is true. But a part of why they didn't was because Steph Curry made a very, very good defensive play. And again, offensively and defensively, Steph Curry made the best plays in this game in the final uh, six minutes. 855-616-1620. Tough loss for the Bucs in San Francisco against the Warriors. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Joe Ingles as we mentioned what the offense has done really well. And some more flowers for Brooke Lopez, who, uh, again... This game, and you, you just hope that play, blocking Jordan Poole at the rim, that really should have been on the resume of I'm Defensive Player of the Year and here's why. You hope losing this game isn't something that sways that. More after this on Bucks Talk. 105-102. He is right of the lane. Now takes it back out. Circles around. Inside the free throw line. Passes into the corner. Another catch and shoot three and another dagger from Joe Ingles. The wonder from down under puts the Bucks back ahead by eight again. Tough loss for the Bucks tonight. Joe Ingles was big, though. Started the game five of five on threes. He hit some big ones in the fourth quarter, and uh, it. it had all the makings of, man, this is a really good, maybe best win of the season to go on the road, to go into San Francisco against the Warriors, where coming into tonight, the Warriors were 27-7 and at home. You win that game without Giannis, it would have pushed the Bucks to 21-12 and on the road, tying the Boston Celtics for the best road record in basketball, but the valiant effort comes up short, and, you know, look, this is a game... There are no moral victories. You should have won this game. This doesn't mean the Celtics are going to catch you. This doesn't mean, oh, there's areas of concern for the Bucks. It's a frustrating loss. It's a regular season loss against a team that's very, very good at home. But it was the Warriors that made the biggest plays down the stretch. 855-616-1620. The old National Bank talk and text line to join us tonight on Bucks Talk. And... Uh, Dave said it too, Dave Kane, when we were talking after the game. You know, games like this, it's always fun. And I was talking about it too with uh, my friend Camille of the Technical File podcast, Camille Davis, who pointed out as well. And it's just fun to watch Steph Cook. Like, you know what? It is. Every single night but the night that he's playing the Bucks. It was not fun to experience that, where you just felt helpless and you knew. Every time he pulled up, you felt like he was going to make a shot. Uh, the game tying three, helping spark that comeback as well when it went from eight to five. Tying the game, giving the Warriors their first lead in overtime, and then hitting the three that uh, really caught Brooke Lopez in no man's land and essentially put this game out of reach at seven in overtime. Uh, it's fun to watch Steph Curry do that against every other team but your own. And a, a tough loss, even tougher seeing the Boston Celtics win earlier tonight in Atlanta and the Philadelphia 76ers 
doing what they did one week ago tonight, erasing a big lead at home this time to the Portland Trailblazers and winning on a Joel Embiid uh, jump shot. So both Philly and Boston win within the last 24 hours instead of being four and a half and two and a half up and three and four in the loss column. It's one and a half and three and a half, two and three in the loss column in front of the Celtics and the Sixers. And I think we all try to, to make this point very clear. It was great how things started to swing in favor of the Bucks. It's always fun to see the Celtics lose. It's even more fun to see the Philadelphia 76ers lose, but it's not going to last. You can't win the Eastern Conference in early March. You still have a lot of work to do. I was trying to caution last week, don't take victory laps. It's still a long ways from over, and those two games, March 30th and April 2nd, that is going to determine who wins the Eastern Conference. As of this morning, the Bucks had an 82% chance of finishing with the one seed. You see what they did tonight without Giannis in a place that's incredibly tough to play. And I've seen a lot of doom and gloom over this road trip. of oh, If Giannis doesn't play, the, the ridiculous notion, too, of Giannis doesn't play at all on this road trip, which we don't know, Bucks won't win a game. You just almost won in San Francisco. Almost doesn't count. But you almost won without Giannis. Sacramento Kings are playing very, very well. That is going to be a fun game, if anything else, to watch. It's a lot different going into Sacramento than it is going into the Chase Center, right? Phoenix, it's night two of a back-to-back. It's also night two of a back-to-back for the Phoenix Suns. And we know Kevin Durant isn't going to play in that game. It's going to be a shorthanded Suns team that already does not have a lot of depth. It's not crazy to suggest the Bucs could win these next two games on the road, but this, I mentioned the 30th against the Celtics. That's huge. But what happens between now and then is just as big because the Celtics had nine games. Six of them were on the road with this six-game road trip. Between now and the 30th, you had 10. You still have the Suns and Kings on the road. Then you have a three-game homestand where all three of those games you frankly need to and should win. The Pacers, the Raptors, and the Spurs. And then a four-game road trip where the first two are going to be difficult. Utah, where it's always tough to win for this Bucks team. Although maybe now the X factor is Joe Ingles is on your sideline. And then night two of a back-to-back in Denver against the Nuggets. The, those two games, that doesn't matter as much. Two games in Utah and Denver. Similar to Sacramento and Phoenix, the the thing that makes those games matter is keeping an eye on what Boston does. But after those two games, you're on the road in Detroit and Indiana. Detroit, by the way, is 0-12 within their division. You should win that game, too. So there's still a good chance this team, with those 10 games they had between now and the matchup with the Celtics, to realistically think and expect they could go 7-3, and three, that is not out of the cards. It's a team that's won 22 now of their last 26 games. If you do that, you're going to go into that game against the Celtics in the same spot you are now. And if that's the case and you win that game and it's three or four games in the loss, it's over. You've essentially clinched it. You just can't have a bad four or five game stretch. And now that this team is healthy... We've seen them seemingly put that behind them. 
1620, the old National Bank talk and text line. Frustrating night as the Bucks fall in San Francisco to the Golden State Warriors in overtime in a game that it felt like at least three or four times you had victory in hand. Uh, more news besides just the wins that we mentioned for Philadelphia and Boston. I have some more news that I don't think Bucks fans will be happy with, but I think it's time we start to accept it. I'll tell you what it is after this on Bucks Talk. Tough loss for the Bucks as they fall to the Golden State Warriors in San Francisco in overtime, 125-116 the final. Two big ones up next in Sacramento and then in Phoenix on a back-to-back. But again, that is night two of a back-to-back for the Phoenix Suns as well, who will be without Kevin Durant. Uh, the news that I mentioned, you probably don't want to hear but it's high time we come to accept it. Joel Embiid is going to win the MVP this season. And I think last night what happened went a long way in cementing it. The The entire discourse we've had over MVP is frankly gross. That it's it's boiling down to picking apart this guy isn't as good and this guy can't defend and... Even the things like seeing Daryl Morey, which is frankly embarrassing. Some of the things that it's not just Daryl Morey, but all these teams, what we're doing of, well, this seems MVP worthy to me. Just shut up and let the players play. I mean, you can appreciate that Joel Embiid is very good. Nikola Jokic is very good. Giannis is very good. It doesn't have to become this gross discourse of picking apart well. Actually, this number lies, and this is this. And the whole thing last week over implying that there was some type of racial motives in the voting, it's just gotten way too out of hand. There is nothing more off-putting to me than the what is going to what is, what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers in the MVP debate. Like, I don't care. And if Joel Embiid wins the MVP, I know Bucks fans are going to be disappointed and point to, yeah, but Giannis is better. The yeah buts that are going on are tiresome and annoying. When somebody states a case for, hey, here's what Nikola Jokic is doing better than anybody. Yeah, but Giannis is doing that. Yeah, but Joel Embiid also did that without this. Great. We get it. It's just way too much. And, and that's what this league has become, where it's the offseason moves are far more fun. Then the regular season, that is certainly an issue the league has to look at addressing. But the last couple of years, it's been, well, it's more fun to debate MVP than it is to actually watch these games. And that, to me, is getting annoying. I think Joel Embiid is going to win the MVP this year because I think there's way too much fatigue now. It seemed like we reached a point where everybody said, you know what, we can vote for Nikola Jokic three years in a row because this is a regular season award. And then we, as Bucks fans, had a problem with that and said, well, you didn't do that for Giannis. When Giannis was going for three straight, you said, yeah, but he hasn't won in the playoffs. If the goal is to remove that conversation and say, look, if you're the best, give him the award, th- then why do we care and why are we sitting up these roadblocks? It's just getting to be too much. I don't need the constant, yeah, but this player does this better whenever you point out somebody does something well. Joel Embiid is going to win the MVP because I think we went from accepting Nikola Jokic as the best player to saying, you know what, 
you're right. We can't give him three straight. And Nikola Jokic, do it in the playoffs. Joel Embiid, what he's doing, what he did last night, the game-winning shot, leading the league in scoring, he's been great. You can make a strong case Giannis is better. Giannis's team is also better. And I think that's going to be the biggest reason, even though we think Giannis's team is going to finish with four or more wins, hopefully, than the Sixers. It's probably going to come down to that, and it's going to be Joel Embiid winning the MVP this season. So just accept it. Don't complain about it. I'm more concerned with who wins the Larry O'Brien trophy than who wins the MVP trophy. We will wrap up the show after this on Box Talk. Tough loss for the Bucks in San Francisco against the Warriors in a game they played without Giannis, third straight game that he missed. But look, you are still leading the Eastern Conference, 48-19. and 19. You're still the only team in the league that is yet to lose 20 or more games. Despite Giannis missing double-digit games, Chris Middleton missing most of the first half of the season. Joe Ingles not coming back until uh, mid-December. Bobby Portis missing a month. All these injuries that they've dealt with. 48-19. If you win the final two games on this road trip, you're up to 50 wins with 13 games remaining. And as long as you play at the clip you have played at, you're in a very good spot. It's just don't fumble the bag between now and April 30th, or March 30th, beg your pardon, when you have the Celtics at home and then your very next game, two days rest in between, by the way, is big, the 76ers. That Sixers game, the big part is just making sure you don't lose the tiebreaker, and what if Philadelphia goes on an epic run? They've won four in a row right now, but if if Philly reels off what you did, then that's where that game becomes even more important. But right now, it's it's really the Celtics game that you have to worry about and see who gets the tiebreaker between the two teams because it's a game and a half separating you, two games in the loss column. If you play at the same pace you have for most of this season and specifically the last, what, two months, there is no reason to believe, not to believe, If I fast forward to April 3rd, after those two games, you'll still be a game in front of the Celtics with four games left and presumably the tiebreaker. If that's the case, you close the season with the Wizards, the Bulls, the Grizzlies, and the Raptors. Three very winnable games. And that last one may not even matter. You just have to take care of business between now and and the end of the month when you have those two big games on the schedule. And by the way, Philadelphia, why we keep saying, hey, it's it's going to be tough. they got a lot of ground to make up, and they still have a back-to-back in San Francisco and Phoenix, then a game in Denver two days later, then the Mavs, who exploited them a couple of uh, games ago, the Bucks and the Celtics. They have a very difficult schedule remaining. Celtics, their final four of the season, the Sixers, two of the Raptors, and the Atlanta Hawks. So they, those two teams, have the more difficult remaining schedule than do the Bucks. Stay healthy and keep doing what you're doing. Our next broadcast, our next game is going to be Monday night, West Coast, Bucks in Sacramento to take on the Kings. It is a 9 o'clock tip. 8.30 is when pregame coverage begins. And as always, stick around after the game for Bucks Talk. We will hit the air 
at around midnight. My thanks, everybody, for tuning in, and Justin Pottinger for producing the show. We'll talk to you Monday night with more Bucks Talk.